What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Take It Easy Sports Show here on ArizonaVarsity.com. My name is Zach Alvira, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Eric Newman. Eric, we have a little bit of some uh, some football coaching news uh, to discuss tonight, as well as uh, we're going to start to get into winter sports, obviously another delay. But in the meantime, how are you doing? I'm good. Uh, I'm excited. This is when we're recording this. It's just breaking the football news you're talking about. And, uh, you know, I am I'm excited to hear about it right now. I'm actually in Page, Arizona, uh, decided to kind of take a road trip for a little bit of a winter holiday and uh, get a little bit of cool weather. Go see uh, some of the stuff up in northern Arizona. It's been nice so far. But I'm good. That's awesome. That's awesome. It sounds like fun. Uh, and just to, uh, you know, make a little disclaimer, uh, the news hasn't officially broken yet. Um, this is something that we're talking about actually early. However, based on our recording schedule and when we actually post the episode, the news will have already been out at the time. So at this point, um, I think I can be probably the first to announce that Ty Wisdom, the uh, the Horizon head coach, is now the head coach at Desert Vista High School, taking over for Dan Hines. Um, it's the second time in Wisdom's head coaching career that he's going to be taking over a program that was winless the year before. And, um, you know, overall, I think it's a it's a pretty good hire. I've, um, you know, I'm interested to see what coaches come with him from Horizon or if he hires a new staff over there at Desert Vista. But uh, for the first time in, man, 19 years, Desert Vista officially has a new head coach. Yeah, man. Um, and first off, congratulations to Ty. He Horizon's been a, a real tough team, especially two years ago. They made the open playoff, um, got beaten the first round, but they had a they had some injuries that hobbled them. And we've seen Horizon be a great football team. Um, but also, just congratulations to again to uh, Dan Hines on a, a tremendous career at Desert Vista. He was. So great to both of us. And I know you've been working with him even closer than I have recently um, before we were both on the Aotuki beat. But it was, uh, I mean, it's going to be fun up there. They, they're they a team that needs a lot of rebuilding to get to the point that they want to be the Desert Vista football we've seen over years and years of being great pretty much every year. Um, and he's the guy that's shown he can get a team there. So it's exciting. Yeah, and you know the thing is with uh with Coach Wisdom, what he actually takes over is a team full of youth talent. Um, so I mean, you're talking about you know you're returning all three of your quarterbacks, and obviously two of them are going to be seniors, and then you have uh, and that's obviously Landon Powell who transferred from Mountain Point, then you have Caden Lentz over there as well. Then you've got uh who's going to be a junior, um, you know Jackson Akins, who was basically the the DV starter all year long. So you're returning three quarterbacks. You're also returning Devin Grubbs, who is arguably one of the best running backs in the state, along with Quentin Ivey, who kind of took over when Devin battled some injuries. Then you've got Michael Allison, who can literally do just about everything for you when it comes to you know, offense, defense, special teams. He, he can do everything, and he's extremely fast. I think he runs like you know in the neighborhood of like a 4-4, maybe even faster 40-yard dash, which is – just it, it blows my mind because I wish I could run that fast. Um, but, you know, um, just in general, I mean, he, he takes over a team that is going to still be very young, but has some talent. I mean, that offensive line as well. I think they lost like one or two seniors and that's it. 
which obviously you return at least three starting offensive linemen and you're already ahead of the game that way too. So, you know, I'm interested to see what, uh, what coach wisdom can do with that program. And again, like I said, I'm interested to see, you know, who he can bring in as far as a coaching staff. I've already heard some rumors, but I'm not going to go into that because as of right now, nothing is confirmed. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what happens. And, you know, I, I know I'm going to be out at spring ball or, you know, maybe some workouts or really whenever I can go out there, whenever they start to get going, obviously COVID, you know, may play a, play a role in that, but, um, I think it'll be exciting. It's a new look for the program and it's a new era of desert Vista football. Absolutely. It's, uh, they've got talent. This was a rough year in a lot of ways. Um, I would be very surprised if they're not back. They're going to win some games next year, and I would be surprised if they're not back near 500, maybe competing for that one of those last spots in the playoffs. We'll see. Um, we've seen teams go from drastic improvements, um, so I yeah. would not be surprised to see something like that from Desert Vista with the new coaching staff and um, a, a year more of great players. And hopefully in offseason, maybe this COVID stuff will get figured out by the time that spring rolls around or something like that we'll see man i hope so i really hope so you know obviously you know the vaccines are rolling out now obviously it's only healthcare workers so i think it'll be a while before you and i are able to get them but um we're we're absolutely last in the uh, in the line and that's okay that's fine with me i mean whatever uh you know i think you and i have done a pretty good job staying safe and you know knock on wood that we're going to be able to do so uh you know going forward as well until we're able to you know, obviously get that, uh, that vaccine or if it's already, you know, the virus that is gone by then, but I kind of doubt that. But anyway, I'm not a medical expert. That's why I decided to go into sports journalism because I'm not very smart. Um, but in the meantime, Eric, uh, one thing I do want to kind of go back to, we never really spoke about Dan Hines and his, in his retirement. I think it's because it happened, I think probably a day or so after you and I recorded. And at that point we were still focused on playoffs. So we just didn't really go back to it, but I have to say, when I heard the news of his retirement, I gave him a call and he even said, word for word, I was waiting for your call. And I think that just goes to show that one, he not only respects the work that we do, but I think more importantly is he was expecting us to call and he knew that he was going to pick up the phone. That's just the kind of guy that Dan Hines is. Um, from, you know, and I, I think I even tweeted this out from the day that I started at the Tribune and the Aotuki Fiddles news, I emailed him and said, Hey, I want to introduce myself within five minutes. I had a phone call and it was him on the phone, inviting me to the school, inviting me into the locker room, inviting me to meet all of his players. That's the kind of guy he was or is, I should say not was, but that's the kind of guy he was as a coach. And he's just a, a phenomenal human being, um, you know, not to get too deep into personal life and everything, but. The last time I was out there at one of his practices ahead of the Tukey Bowl, I think I interviewed him for five minutes and I stayed there for an hour and a half talking about just personal life with him. And that's just how he was, how he is. You can talk to him about that kind of stuff. Uh, I was very sad to see him go. I really was. And I even told him that. And, you know, he kind of laughed and said, yeah, you know, it's just my time. So, um, you know, congratulations to him. Obviously a great career, won a championship with Desert Vista and, um, you know, it's funny. I saw him at the uh, at the six A and Open Division Championship games, and he even told me he's like, "Man, I'm just so relaxed now." So, you know, good for him. He deserves it. I wish him a happy retirement, but I am definitely sad to see him go. Absolutely. I uh, I had just started um very recently at the Awatuki Foothills News. I think I had met him once or twice 
um, done a story or two. And I get a text and I'm still trying to figure out my way of covering high school football. This is a few years ago. And he gets, he sends me a text and he says, Hey, I've got a story for you. I'm like, okay. Like uh, I'm not used <laughs> to the coaches reaching out to me. Yeah. Um, and he gives me the, all these details about Michael Lonsky, one of their offensive linemen from a few years ago. He was just a great kid and really good player. Yeah. He was a great player. He's playing for Western New Mexico. Now um, he's either a sophomore or junior or something like that. But he, coach reached out to me and I was just so thankful because at that point I just was still trying to figure out how to cover high school sports, how to cover all this stuff in any way and get any sort of good information. And the fact that he was actually like, Hey, I know this will be of interest to you um, was really awesome. So I'll always remember that as uh, something that kind of helped me as a reporter at an early stage in my career. Um, Yeah. definitely. Yeah. It was, it was just really cool. I mean, you know, I even asked him the same thing, like, who should I speak to first? And I think the very first Desert Vista story that I did was on Armando Delgado. And the only reason I did that story is because, you know, Dan sat me down and basically said, this is who this kid is. This is why he's so great. This is how he's a leader. This is how he wants to help his family one day. And, you know, that turned out to be a great story. And I was able to kind of build that you know, friendly relationship, I guess you can say with Armando and, you know, guys like Tyson and, you know, um, Devin right behind Tyson, obviously, and, you know, Parker Navarro and Colby Humphrey and all those guys beyond them as well. So, um, you know, he really makes it easy to get a feel for his program and become accustomed to all the kids to the point where they are comfortable seeing you, where, you know, they know that when you're there, you know, they can say hi or whatever, but, they're not, I guess, weirded out the fact that I just randomly show up and start taking pictures. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and not not that, you know, all the athletes that we cover are, are, you know, are weirded out by that. But I think some of them just kind of stare and they wonder like, oh, what's he doing here? You know, he did a great job of introducing us to the program to the point where they could still get their stuff done, knowing that I'm going to be taking pictures and, you know, and just after that, be super friendly and really talk to me about just about everything that I need when it comes to a story. So. Um, you know, very, very thankful to have met him. He kind of made my transition into, into this position that I'm in extremely easy. And, you know, along with him, especially in the Ahwatukee area, Rich Welbrock was the same way. I mean, both of them I was just gonna opened mention up their him. doors. Yeah, open, both of them opened up their doors to me. And I'm so thankful for that. And obviously, you know, they're not the only ones. Um, several other coaches, including one that uh, obviously is also – uh, he stepped down from his position, and he uh, instead of retiring, he is uh, headed home, and that's uh, Jeremy Hathcock. Congratulations to you, Coach Hathcock. You're gonna do great up there at, at Blue Ridge. You're heading home. You're gonna, you know, obviously uh, coach that team and and lead that school as the athletic director. And I know uh, your old ball coach Paul Morrow is gonna be smiling down on you on on that field named after him. So very very cool thing that he was able to do to kind of you know, take a step back from Desert Ridge after so many years and head home. Absolutely. And kind of one of the things I'm thinking is um, we we cover sports and it's the same teams. Um, and it's about the kids first off. Um, that's kind of who the, the stuff is focused on. But the coaches are the ones that are year, there year after year after year. Um, and so we start developing these relationships with them because they're the constant Um uh, for us as media people. And, you know, it can really make or break 
a program's um, a reporter's ability to cover a program based on how much coverage, like uh, access and um, accessibility through contact with these coaches. I mean, it it makes all the difference in the world. And so the ones that are not uh, are easy for us to work with, but also do a great job with the kids. You can tell what, regardless of the words they say, you can tell what kids really, really appreciate their coaches and um, just have had great experiences because of it. And I think that it makes all the difference in the world. And it, being able to retire on your own terms after that long is amazing for uh, for Coach Hines. And I'm excited for to see what Ty Wisdom can do with that program. Yeah, exactly. And, um, you know, just to – obviously, I, I knew a little bit about the Desert Vista job. Uh, the Desert Ridge job, I actually, quite honestly, know nothing about. I don't know who um, has gone for that. It's kind of one of those things where I'm kind of in a wait-and-see mode as well. Um, you know, I'm pretty plugged in with the Ahwatukee community, so I kind of saw the Thai Wisdom hiring coming. Um, but Desert Ridge, um, you know, I, I, I got nothing. Uh, is there anyone that you're kind of thinking of that might be available at this point that could be taking over that program at Desert Ridge if, if the opportunity was right? Well, one person that I've seen on Twitter being suggested, and I don't know if this would work, but Tollison's Roy Lopez, who stepped down from uh, – he's not Tollison anymore, but he stepped down from there. Cody has been saying that he would be an awesome one for that. He is from the east side of town, um, was out at Tollison just for the opportunity. He was at Marcos Deniza in Tempe for a long time. Um, Did a great job there too. Right there. And I think – I mean, I don't know if he's even being considered, but I think that would be a – he's coming from a 6A program already. And yeah. Um, has a lot of great experience. So Roy Lopez could be someone. Yeah. And, and it was, what's funny is he actually told, um, you know, our friend Richard Obert at the Republic that he was stepping down specifically to pursue Desert Vista and Desert Ridge, um, or at least an East Valley job. So uh, I think, honestly, I think that would be a really good fit. Um, you know, whether or not we see if that comes to fruition, I've kind of heard some rumors about him, but I've heard, um, that he's connected to a different school. And I'm not going to get too much into detail because I don't know how true all that is. So if I'm wrong, you know, whatever. Um, but you know, someone else who I was kind of thinking of is, uh, is coach Gertz over there from Westview. Um, yep. he also stepped down. Um, so, I mean, he, he could potentially be making the move. I mean, it's kind of funny because, you know, Westview was always that Achilles heel for, uh, for desert Ridge in the playoffs. Um, I think Desert Ridge was like a two seed and Westview came in led by Coach Gertz and he was they were a 15 seed and they knocked off the Jaguars. So um, I think they'd be kind of a, a kind of a funny situation. Obviously, no one would really be thinking about that. But um, I think he again, coming from a 6A program, I think that might be a good fit as well. Coach Gertz is an awesome guy. He's one of the yeah. ones that you talked about Dan Hines. And since I moved over to the West Valley coverage area, Coach Gertz is one that I've talked to so much and he's always been so open to me coming out there um avondale area schools in the he's in the tolleson district schools in avondale kind of on the the southwest valley doesn't get that much coverage uh for the most part even as westview and la jolla and a couple of those schools out there have been pretty good recently um so uh, he's an awesome guy i don't know where he lives or anything like that so it's hard to tell whether that would be something that he would pursue but 
Um, In terms of a coach with proven success and proven leadership ability, I don't see why it wouldn't work. Well, and if he is a West Side guy, as far as like where he lives and everything, I mean, Canyon View is also open. So that could be that might even be a better landing spot, arguably for him. Um, But I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess it just kind of depends. We just have to kind of wait and see. But, um, you know, how about how about someone like Carrie Taylor? Do you think he he would be really willing to make that jump again after just getting to Santan Charter? I mean, I guess so. It's uh, it's hard to think he would leave after a year, but if a job like that opened up, it'd be hard to say no if they wanted yeah. him. I agree. Um, you know, obviously we're just brainstorming. Nothing official with anything that we're saying leading to this Desert Ridge job. Um, again, I have not heard really anything at all when it comes to this position. Um, Hopefully I do kind of soon and maybe I can, you know, deliver some breaking news on the next episode, depending on how long they take to announce a hire. But, um, you know, just kind of throwing out some names, someone that I really honestly would love to see get a head coaching gig sooner rather than later. And I know you've covered him a couple times, not very much since you've been on the West Valley beat, but Kyle Enders from Red Mountain. He is, I think, long overdue for a head coaching job. Yeah, I mean, they have had a ton of success. This year was a rough one for them, but they've had a ton of success in Red Mountain. Um, he seems like the kind of guy that might be there forever, but... Well, he's he a grad too. He's a grad from Red Mountain, so that might be why. He actually went there, so I think... Uh, so, yeah, me, me saying that he's long overdue for a head coaching job, I think it might be... Uh, we might be waiting longer than uh, than we think. Just depends on... Um, you know, I guess whenever the Red Mountain job opens, but Coach Peterson is doing a great job over there, so I don't see that happening anytime soon. Yeah, absolutely. He's um, he's a guy that if you were actively pursuing, I would think would be in the discussion for a lot of these big-time jobs. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, Eric, what do you say we get into the winter sports update? Um, it was announced it. on Sunday. No, Friday. I'm sorry, Friday. Um, that the AIA has decided to push back fall sports once again for two weeks, uh, about two weeks, roughly. Um, old start date, well, let me let me back up even further. Old old start date was November 9th for winter sports. Because of rising case numbers and everything, they got pushed back to January 5th. Now, despite the AIA not using the metrics per se to decide when to start winter sports, they're pushing it back once again to January 18th. Now, there's really a couple main reasons for this. One, and it's really no secret, the ICU in in Arizona hospitals is in dire straits right now. Um, I think last I saw it was like 92 or 93% filled, which is not good. And no, that's not all COVID patients. No, Eric and I are not here to argue about whether or not you believe COVID is real or not. But the truth of the matter is, you know, according to state health officials, these these beds in the ICU are, are nearly full and they expect them to fill up within the next week or two. So the AIA wants to take a step back, maybe see if holding off on sports will help mitigate some of that. Um, obviously, the kids are also on winter break. So what that also does, if anyone is traveling, getting together with family, that gives teams a two-week window to potentially identify any cases in the program, isolate, quarantine, maybe come back, or not maybe, but hopefully come back completely healthy 
and then get ready to go for January 18th. Um, I don't see a problem with it. I think it's not necessarily a surprise. And a lot of the coaches I talked to, they weren't surprised at all by this happening. Um, I know Coach Price there at Mountain Point, the head basketball coach, he thought maybe it'd be like a week delay, but, um, you know, two weeks, he even said himself. And, and, you know, obviously the co-head coaches there at Desert Vista, um, Jordan Ballard and also uh, Bryant St. Cyr, who ironically, both of those are uh, both of those two guys are Mountain Point Desert Vista grads. So and then obviously Coach Price is also a Mountain Point grad. So kind of cool there in Autuki. Um, all of them basically agreed that two weeks of practice doesn't hurt or two weeks more of practice or extra two weeks of practice, whatever doesn't hurt. So, um, I, I don't know. I, I guess I don't really see a problem with it. I, I hope that we can get things going and I just hope that this, this doesn't really affect spring that much because they, they've already gone through a lot last year. Yeah. I mean, uh, if you're thinking about it, these extra two weeks, are not that big of a surprise. January 5th seemed really, um, it it seemed like they were reaching a little bit. Like I didn't actually think that would be the end date that they, or the starting date that they confirmed because of just the fact that people are on winter break and that gives them just a couple days of, I know a lot of teams don't normally even have practice of the days around Christmas. Um, And so this would be basically a week and a few days, um, before but yeah so the the thing that it makes me think is we can't afford much more of a delay if any at all after this january mid-january um date because they're expecting it to be done in march and if that's actually going to be the case and they're not going to cut into the time of spring sports then that leaves about a month of regular season games uh, maybe a little bit over, or, but something around four or five weeks. And that's already a pretty short season. If you cut more than a couple days off of that, you're going to go into a point where you don't even know if you're going to have a full regular season. Um, maybe basketball would have 12 games or something like that. It's hard to actually, um, with the sport like that, that you can play pretty often. And in normal times, they might play 30 games in a season having 10, 12, something like that, I don't think would be that feasible to dictate who's actually a better team. Well, and then see, when you get into that, then we're talking about potentially, I mean, do you remember the conversations that people had when it came to Major League Baseball, when they had that shortened season, how, you know, they, they were expecting some teams that maybe wouldn't be able to last a full, you know, however many games they play. 162. Um, 162. Okay. And they, they played how many again? Like 80, right? 60. Oh, they played 60. That's right. Okay. Oh, I just said that. Why am I blanking now? You're anyway. Good. um, So obviously there's teams like, let me just use the Diamondbacks, for example. Obviously they didn't do very well in the 60 games, but they were one of those teams that people thought, okay, in 162 games, maybe they wouldn't be able to, you know, hang on and they'd fall back and fall apart basically. But in a 60 game season, when they're pretty rested and fresh and everything like that, maybe they can, you know, make a run to the, you know, to the playoffs or, you know, whatever. Obviously we saw, and I don't want to say that this was the the reason that the Rays were in the world series, but you know, they're a good example because they kind of came on and no one talked about them at first. So, you know, to kind of go to kind of go back to high school basketball now, we could be talking about teams that maybe have a pretty soft 
you know, opening schedule, you know, making the playoffs as a high seed because they don't have to deal with the gauntlet schedule that most teams would have when they enter region play or just any other freedom games that they want to schedule after they've already kind of warmed up through a few games. So, you know, like I said, with that said, depending on, you know, obviously, hopefully we don't have limited, you know, spots in the postseason like we did for football, but um, we could see some of those teams that maybe no one's really thinking about make a name for themselves and burst into the playoffs with a pretty high seed if we were to go only 12 games. But then you also argue, are teams really going to be ready for the playoffs in just 12 games? You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, these eight-game seasons we had for football, a lot of teams ended up having less than that. Normally, that's when that's a couple weeks off from what their regular seasons would be. Yeah. They have... 10, 12, 14, even 15 game seasons is nothing compared to what they were doing before in uh, in a basketball or something like 10 games in soccer. I don't know what the number would be there because I, we both cover basketball a little more heavily. It's the more popular and uh, drives more content and everything in the area. But um, that's nothing. The yeah. NBA preseason is normally five or six games. And that's before they get to the regular season. And the fact that, you know, they would expect teams to be playing at their highest level and then go to a one-and-done tournament is, is really, really difficult to understand. But, you know, it's better than nothing, I guess. Yeah, I mean, at least, you know, we have you know, potentially the ability to have a season. I mean, it kind of sounds like to me that the AIA is prepared to have one no matter what. Um, so, I mean, hopefully that's the case and, you know, we get to we get to see these teams go at it. But um, I don't know. I mean, it, it's just so everything is just so up in the air still. It seems like like there's still so much uncertainty surrounding everything really that you know you really can't we you know neither of us can sit here and guarantee that you and i are going to be covering a game on january 18th or 19th or you know 20th or whenever all the teams play like there's just no guarantee of that still which is kind of crazy yeah absolutely it is going to be a roller coaster just like it was in football just like it's going to be until this thing is over um but the fact that kids get to actually put on their uniforms and play for their school and they've spent all this time preparing and uncertainty and everything, we'll just be happy to get some games. Yeah, and you know, the thing too that um, I think we pretty much all expected to happen with the the announcement that obviously, obviously things are going to be pushed back another two weeks. Uh, there's a couple games that obviously are, are lost now at that point. Um you know, I mean, a lot of these teams had to adjust their schedules already. I'm looking at it right now. It looks like some of the teams' schedules are up there already. Actually, it looks like pretty much everyone's up there, surprisingly. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. I would have to go through all the schedules and kind of take a look again to see, you know, maybe what exactly we lost in that. But I can tell you right now, it looks like we lost um, what could have potentially been a very good Highland um, Mountain Point matchup. I think that was going to be early on in the season, actually. And I think now they're not playing until later on. Um, so, you know, and Highland obviously was one of those teams that kind of, you know, made a nice run there. Um, 
last year. I think they lost to Pinnacle in like the quarterfinals, but Pinnacle was still loaded back then. I think Pinnacle's going to be loaded again, obviously. But, you know, I mean, it'll be interesting to see like what games we're going to lose now because of all that as well. And we're losing a lot of the tournaments. That's true. That was the, the Christmas tournaments and the tournaments that were right around this time, maybe early December um, and then holiday season were some of the best basketball of the uh, high school boys season. It's really when teams would normally be hitting their stride. Um, you see matchups that you wouldn't normally get. Like I, I love the McClintock holiday shootout is almost that one's so fun on the east side. Um, I love that one. Mesa has a good one. Um, the fear the hop tournament. Yep. They have a great one. And yeah, um, yeah those We're are also, I mean, the east side, especially almost every one of the best teams are in those two tournaments from the, from the east side. And then, we're not getting the Nike Tournament of Champions either. That's yeah. I mean, that is a tremendous one. Yeah. I know that Arizona teams have done really well in those two, and that yeah. also includes. You know, it's cool to see that some of the teams like Millennium, uh, Mountain Point, a couple years, uh, and many others were playing in tournaments out of state. Those don't exist in the same capacity yeah. anymore. Um, I got to see La Jolla win a tournament last year at horizon high school on a buzzer beater in the championship game. I mean, that was amazing. So these tournaments are like I said before, and I think we're just going to have to keep reiterating this. It's going to be a tough year, but we just got to be happy and grateful to, um, to get what games we can. Yeah. You know, on that, on that note, I remember you and I, I think you, it was you and I that went to the McClintock holiday um, shootout, right? We were there at, at some point, probably watching the same game. I'm sure. Yep. Uh, I remember watching the championship game and that was skyline versus Arcadia. That was a phenomenal game. I mean, it was, it was back and forth. And obviously that was the point where people pretty much already knew that skyline was going to be one of the better teams in the six, a conference, but Arcadia had just started to kind of make a name for themselves too. That was such a good game. It was, I mean, to the point where I thought at first Arcadia was going to walk away with a win, but Skyline came storming back and ended up taking a lead late in the game. And it was, oh man, such a good game. Um, and then, you know, some of the other tournaments, we're not going to get the the MLK tournament. You and I went and covered that one as well. That's a McClintock. great talk. That was a really good one. We saw, you know, I think uh, Desert Vista played in that one. Mountain Point Hamilton was in there. I saw Desert Vista girls and Mountain Point girls. That was a really, really good tournament, too. I know, um, I think the game I saw, Desert Vista was playing, I want to say it was either Long Beach or Huntington Beach from California. But, you know, a lot of those states now that would normally come to Arizona for tournaments, they're not even playing any sports. So... You know, on one hand, obviously, we can sit here and say, oh, man, it sucks for us. You know, we don't get to see any of these basketball tournaments, but at least we may have a season. So, you know, kind of a bittersweet glass half full kind of moment, really. And those seasons, I mean, we've been mostly talking about basketball on this, but also soccer and wrestling are going to be really affected by this as well, because soccer is one that they play less games anyway. So they, yeah. who knows how many they'll be able to play. And wrestling is almost all big tournaments. You you get some dual matches, but wrestling really kind of 
um, especially in the girls' side and in in the big areas of, re- of wrestling and some of the best ones are in tournaments. Um, so we're probably not going to get that same thing. And it's hard to imagine exactly what the season's going to look like there. Um, well, and not only that, but then we have to talk about the fact that you know, it's it's not even a possibility anymore. It's almost a guarantee that we're not going to have fans probably most of the season, if not the entire time. Um, and, yeah. you know, it's not like Arizona high schools can just, you know, pump in artificial crowd noise like all the professionals and college teams do. Um, so, I mean, it's going to be such a weird, almost practice-like atmosphere because it's going to be so quiet in the gym. Um, and, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, if, if games are broadcast live – you know, I had a couple coaches, you know, jokingly tell me that they have to kind of watch what they say because <laughs> they're going to be able to hear pretty much everything. Um, but on the other hand, you know, it's just going to be, I don't know, it's going to be like a weird environment where almost like with football, where kind of where the players kind of had to hype themselves up a little bit more than usual because they didn't have the student sections and all that at most schools. You know, the basketball players are really going to have to kind of try to keep a, a consistent, you know, energy on the bench there uh, to kind of motivate their teammates on the court. Um, It'll be very much like what we see in volleyball, where a lot of the girls on the bench there will do a bunch of different cheers and stuff. And um, I mean, at least that's what I would imagine. Maybe some of them would try to do, but I don't know. It'll be really, really different. I mean, I don't even know really what to expect with the season coming up. I don't either. And I know football was able to do it, I assume most places will be able to stream a lot of their games, but with the frequency that they play, football's once a week, but basketball and soccer too, they can play more than once a week. And in this condensed schedule, they're going to have to play more than once a week. I just hope that they've got enough of the uh, uh, the resources and everything to stream all those games and have them broadcasted in some capacity because otherwise it's going to be really tough. Well, and then you bring up that point, but then there's also the point of, you know, these are smaller teams in football. You know, when you contact trace anyone that came into contact with someone with COVID on your team, I mean, you're talking about one positive test could shut down a team for two weeks. And especially in basketball, you could be missing like five games, which could be detrimental to a team's potential playoff. A third or a quarter of your season. Exactly. So that's where I mean, and I think a lot of the teams are, or I mean, a lot of the schools are maybe going to move into remote learning. But I mean, you know, sure, you can kind of create a bubble like atmosphere where, you know, the kids are at home doing online classes, then they go to practice or go to a game. They know who they've been around, stuff like that. But the problem is, what happens if they run into a gas station, and someone there isn't wearing a mask correctly or whatever? And they just happen to sneeze or cough or whatever. And and they, you know, even just walking through that. I mean, I don't know how exactly it spreads, whatever. But if the, if it's as, you know, you know, contagious as they say it is, that could be a, a bad situation for even a player just going to get a Gatorade at a gas station. Yeah, the, you know the, what point, I mean? so, the point I think you're trying to make is that there's no certainties that. No, exactly. Besides full isolation, there's no certainty that someone won't catch it. And yeah, it's going to be, we're going to see some weird stuff and hopefully it doesn't mean anything too bad, but we'll, uh, we'll just have to wait and see and hope that people stay healthy and that advancements are made because we want to see this season so badly and we want 
we know how much the kids want to be able to play. Yeah, well, even even with wrestling and like, it's funny because like obviously wrestling always kind of had a, a you know that that you know rap of being the dirtier sport anyway, just because obviously you're you know you're exchanging sweat and all of that stuff, and you're rolling um, around on the floor. Yeah, exactly. So you know, obviously, you know the wrestling coaches I've talked to have have said that they've done a tremendous job. I mean, they're disinfecting everything. So hats off to them. But when you get into a match, what happens if, you know, one of the one of the other teams has a COVID case that they don't realize yet, and then the person they wrestled is impacted, then the rest of the teams, both of them are impacted, and then what's what happens if it, you know, keeps spreading and spreading and spreading? I don't know, man. It's going to be tough. I really hope none of that happens. Um, I really want all these teams to have a season, obviously, um, but... There's still just so much that's unknown. It's just crazy. You know, it is crazy. The NBA comes back tomorrow. Does it really? I didn't even realize that. It's been like 70 days of an offseason. <laughs> I, I did see I did see the NHL just agreed to what, like a 60-something game season? Or 50-something yeah, game season? Yeah, something like that. It's not that these sports are coming back so quickly. It feels like just a couple weeks ago um, that LeBron and the Lakers won their title. Um, and well, now they're coming back again. The Suns are going to be fun, though. They're going to be really fun. And you know what else is really crazy, if you think about it this way, too? The 49ers have to finish their season in Arizona because California, that specific county, Santa Clara County, isn't letting them do anything. And not only that, I saw the San Jose Sharks also have to do training camp and pro- potentially start their season in Arizona as well. Like, what? what is 2020, man? Like, what is this year? It's strange. It's just so crazy. I don't know. Yeah, we've got Warriors-Nets tomorrow, and we've got Clippers-Lakers to start the season. Wow. Man, I don't even... I feel like I'm just not mentally prepared for uh, for basketball to start. No, I'm absolutely not. And then the Suns play on Wednesday. So I don't know when this will come out, but it'll probably have come out. Uh, these games will already have started by the time we put this episode out. It's nuts. That's crazy. So we're going to have the NFL, NBA, NHL all back again. Yep. Wow. Wow. How about, hey, let's talk really quick about uh, – the Phoenix Rising. I know you're you're kind of a soccer guy. How cool is that new stadium look? It looks really nice. Yeah. Um, the Phoenix Rising are coming off of one of the weirdest postseasons I've ever oh seen. My God. They won the conference, but didn't get to play in the championship game. Mm. What, what would you ra- would you rather lose the championship game or be crowned co champion? That's a good question. And not uh, get a chance to play in the championship. That's I should I should say that as well. Would you rather lose the championship game and play second overall or be co-champion and not get a chance to even win the championship? That's a tough one because as a fan, you get the shirt for the conference championship even if they lose. That's what matters to me is if you can get the shirt and the hat and whatever. But But as a fan, do you want to wear the (laughs) co-champion shirt? (laughs) 
it's like a participation trophy. Literally, that's exactly how I feel. And like I've even said it before that this year, you know, participation awards are 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 definitely welcome this year because of everything that's gone on, especially at the high school level. But I mean, when you're a professional team that, you know, I, I'm pretty sure they like most got tested pretty frequently. So and that's obviously the difference between high school and college and, and professional athletics is they have access to those tests at those higher levels. So they're able to kind of keep going no matter what. But, um, you know, I don't know, man, that's it, it's just so crazy how that ended. You know what I it makes me think of is after Highland lost in the 6A title game in football, um, something that really caught me uh, off guard, but I also appreciated was when they were posing for a picture with a runner-up trophy, the kids were sad, obviously. They had lost the game. But the thing that Coach Farrell kept saying to them was, we finished our season. We played all 11 games. Um, and that's really an accomplishment to yeah. have been able to get through almost three months of football and get to that point and obviously reach the game. But just to have stayed healthy enough and – safe enough to have played that much is really, really cool. They did something that Arizona State football was not able to do. Yeah. Which is crazy because ASU football teams, obviously with the Pac-12 and everything, they get tested frequently. And I mean, who knows? Maybe, I don't know. Maybe that wouldn't have been the case if, if high school players were allowed to get tested frequently, but... I mean, I, I didn't hear of any issues with Highland at all, to be completely honest. I think they had maybe one or two guys that had to sit out because they were close contacts, but they never ended up getting sick. So, yeah, I mean, it, uh, it kind of goes to show that they, they did everything. They did everything right. That's kind of what it shows. You know, like they did their parts to stay healthy on and off the field. Participation trophies, man. It's uh, <laughs> you said it exactly right. That's what we're getting this year, and yeah. the most proud you could ever be of something like that. Yeah. So I mean, what do you say we wrap up? I say we do it, and uh, just you know, can I can I take a second to gloat for a second, Eric? Yes. Okay. This coming Sunday, well, technically this coming Saturday, I will be playing in my fantasy football championship. I am not that confident that I'm going to win. However, so we're in that we play a two quarterback system, right? So we have two quarterbacks in our starting lineup. Um, the guy that I'm playing next week for the championship put up 222 points this week. I put up I put up 226 so far, but I'm looking over to my TV really quick, and um, one of my wideouts, Deontay Johnson from the Steelers, he just had to walk off the field. So I'm really hoping he's not hurt because that would be very bad for me. Um, but huge shout out. I know Ralph is going to love this. Shout out to Josh Allen, man. I have him and I have Kyler Murray as my quarterbacks. And they just have been lighting it up for me all season. I've been in first place the entire season. Like literally the entire season. I lost two in a row. Uh, before the final game and I won that one but I had a three game lead for first place so I literally entered the playoffs with like I think still two games ahead of everyone else so I literally could have lost three games in a row and I would have been fine like that's how good my team has been because of those two specifically and I have Derrick Henry also which obviously helps so and I have Stefan Diggs who's obviously Josh Allen's number one wideout. so uh 
playing in the championship game. Um, I'm very excited. Hope I can win some money out of it. Uh, I'm not going to say how much, but you know, we'll see. So again, not very confident, but at least I win some money if I get second place as well. So I'll take it. Fantasy football's dumb. <laughs> but money's not I'm dumb. Glad it makes you happy. I love money. Yeah. This is my second year in a row, actually, now that I think about it, uh, playing in the championship. I played for years and years and years. I started playing when I was in middle school, fantasy football. And then I realized I was spending too much time doing it and that I was rooting for people I could not care less about. Um, watching a week 15 Bengals game like the one that they're playing today. And I'm, I mean, I watch it for that, for football reasons, but caring about the Jets in week 12 and whether they can hold the other team to 24 points or whatever is, it was just maddening. And I never did, um, the, the projections are always wrong and the things like that. And it's just, what makes other people enjoy it just stresses me out, and I decided to quit. Um, so I haven't done it for three seasons now, and I love that I don't do it anymore. Hey, man, uh, I don't know you just you know mentioned the Bengals, but if you remember, or yeah, Ryan Finley from Paradise Valley is currently helping the Bengals beat the Steelers. So you better take whatever you said back. Oh man, I uh, I picked him up <laughs> on my waivers, man. <laughs> Yeah, he had 24 pros, man. He had 24 projected. Number 24 projected. Bro, a 24 projected from a quarterback in a PPR league is not good. Learn your stuff, Eric. What are you doing, man? That being said, if ESPN ever needs a fantasy analyst, I'm your guy. You're probably better than some of the guys they have now. But I don't know. I, I mean... I have a hard time faking enthusiasm. You've realized that over time. Yeah. <laughs> I have. <laughs> well, um, wish me luck. Hopefully I can uh hopefully I can do uh do pretty well and you know win the championship and good luck. I Thanks, hope man. uh I hope these guys who don't care about you do well in the thing that they're gonna try to do well anyway. What do you mean, man? Me and Derrick Henry are like best friends. What if you actually like texted Derrick Henry and were like, hey, I need you to do really well today. Um, or conversely, you texted someone on the other team, like if he's got Cam Newton, um, and you were like, hey, Cam, I need you to do really bad because I can win some money. And he was like, okay, yeah, I'll just take a knee every play. Isn't that what he does already? Yeah. I mean, sorry, Patriots fans, but let's wrap this up, Zach. This is <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, thank you all for listening, as always, uh, to Eric and I. Uh, sometimes we get on little rants, and this one was definitely my fault. Um, I love fantasy football. I'm really sad to see it end, but you know, it's always fun every year. So, uh, but with that being said. Give, make sure to give us all a follow on Twitter at Zach Elvira, at Uniman Rights, at AZHSFB, and at Arizona Varsity. For myself and Eric, thank you once again, and we will uh, see you all next week. Kurt Warner was my best ever fantasy quarterback. Oh, boy. <laughs>